0: Um, We started this series back uh, last fall, uh, and we took a break uh, recently uh, in light of Easter. And uh, so we're going to dive back in in Ephesians chapter 5 today, the first 14 verses, and uh, we'll knock out Ephesians over the coming months. Um, If you've been with us and and if you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, uh, it is written by the Apostle Paul to a young church in Ephesus. Uh, Christianity was new, uh, and the Christians in Ephesus were trying to figure out how to live out this new identity, uh, what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to be a child of God, to be God's people gathered in Ephesus? Uh, What does life look like in light of of redemption, in light of being uh, saved, in light of being forgiven of sin? in light of being um, uh, God's dwelling place corporately as God's people. And so uh, the Apostle Paul writes to them to, to remind them of their identity uh, as God's people. And he uses different words, uh, saying that they're forgiven, they're uh, beloved, they're children, they're redeemed. Uh, and uh, he uh, writes the implications of, of some specific practical application of what it means to live out Uh, Your life practically in light of these identities, and um, and so picking up in chapter five, we'll see uh, a lot of implications for you and I today as Christians. If you are a believer, uh, this is a time for us to worship, to celebrate who Christ is and what He's done for us, to uh, redeem us and secure us as God's people—a new identity. Uh, If you're not a believer, if you are a seeker or a doubter or a non-Christian, we're so glad you're here, and, uh, and we are. Prayerful uh, that the Lord will will give you an understanding of who He is and what He's done for us. So let me pray as we get back into Ephesians 5 uh, this morning. Father God in heaven, thank you so much uh, for a time to gather with your people, as your people. Lord, a time to gather and worship as we sing your goodness back to you and and sing gospel truths over one another uh, through music god as we gather in fellowship through relationships together to bear witness of what you're doing in our lives practically god as we celebrate through uh, prayer and later through communion Uh, and god now through the reading of your scriptures and the proclamation of the gospel lord i pray that uh, your holy spirit who inspired uh, the scripture to be written and has preserved it for generations for our benefit today, would indeed open our minds to understand and our hearts to receive this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we ask that in his name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. This is God's word. Over the next few weeks, we'll be in Ephesians 5 reminded of the gospel truth in Christ that we are beloved children. And because of that, we are to be imitators of God, walking in love as Christ. Someone once said imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And if you look around, you can see maybe three different types of imitation. There's imitation that can be mocking, humorous, Potentially negative. I think uh, wherever you stand on any political issue, I think of Tina Fey imitating Sarah Palin, right? There's this imitation that she was able to do as an actress that was uncanny in some ways. A second type of imitation maybe is uh, working hard to imitate in an attempt to be accepted or valued or belonging. And for me, I was, in my younger years, I was into skateboarding right and so if you were a skater you had to you know you wore certain clothes you had a skateboard you listened to certain music had a certain haircut or color i'm in my mid-30s so it's different 20 years ago than it is now but there was a word for people that would imitate skateboarders but weren't really skateboarders right like there were people who would dress kind of dress the part but didn't even own a skateboard you know what that word is poser right So there's two different types of of imitation, right? One type of imitation is uh, imitating to mock or to be funny, like Tina Fey and Sarah Palin. And then there's the type of imitation that is, hey, maybe if I could work hard to, to impress you, to imitate you, maybe you'll accept me and I'll belong in your community, right? Those are two different types of imitation. There's a third type of imitation, though. And this is the type of imitation that the Bible teaches us in this statement when Paul says to be imitators of God. This is the type of imitation that is acting according to your nature. Right? This is doing what is according to your nature for the family that you already belong to. I'm a father of four. I have three beautiful daughters and an awesome three-year-old son. And I think about my little son, Jude, who imitates me. Right? He's not imitating me mocking me in humor the way Tina Fey does, Sarah Palin, nor is he imitating me as a poser trying to be accepted into the family. He's my son. He is my flesh and blood. He already belongs to our family. But he imitates me in that he has certain traits that he doesn't even know about, like uh, the way he walks <laughs> sometimes. Melody says he's like he walks just like me, like if we're walking side by side, like apparently our feet turn out a certain way. Um, I'm kind of self-conscious now, so I'll stand behind this thing. But apparently my son and I, our feet turn out a certain way when we're walking. And uh, last week I was mowing the grass, right, because... Uh, it was a beautiful spring, suburban day, and there was pollen everywhere, and I was mowing the grass, and my son wanted to come out to help me, and he was, he was literally just walking behind me as I mowed the rows of grass uh, in our lawn, just back and forth, back and forth, and I got to this part where I had to, to kind of mow near the mailbox, so I had to step out onto the street for a minute, and to get a little leverage, I put one of my feet up on the curb to kind of push the mower, and my son's right next to me, and he turns and puts, he's like looking at my foot and puts his foot up as I as I do it just totally imitating me. This is the type of imitation that scripture teaches us when Paul says here that we are to therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. This is imitation that's not done mocking. This is imitation that is not as done to be approved or to be accepted, but rather it's imitation that is to be done by nature because of the family that we belong to as Christians. So as I, over the next few minutes as we look at what does it mean to be imitators of God as beloved children, I want us to first take a step back and get the, to set the stage of the grand story of redemption, right? The story of redemption that is outlined in scripture from Genesis to Revelation, we can kind of frame it this way, because before we jump in to say, all right, your, your role as a child of God is to be this and to do that, I want us to see how our stories as individuals, our stories as families, our stories as a church called Redemption Church fits into the grand story of redemption by God in Christ for humanity, all right? And so when we look at Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, it's outlined this way. We see there's this theme of creation, fall, redemption, and then consummation. That's when Jesus comes back and makes everything right. But we're going to look at the first three here, creation, fall, redemption, Because we, by God, were created to imitate God, but due to the fall, the brokenness of sin, we fail at imitating God rightly. But in Christ, we are redeemed to imitate God. You with me? All right, so first we are created to imitate God, right? I mean, Paul says in Ephesians 5, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. All right, so God created us to imitate him, not mockingly, not in order to gain acceptance, but rather to imitate him as my son imitates me by nature and to, uh, because he's a part of a family, right? So Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, we see that God creates everything out of nothing. He just speaks creation into being. Read Genesis chapter one, it'll blow your mind. God just speaks everything into being, everything out of nothing, and in Genesis 1:27 and 28 scripture records so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth The very first chapter of Scripture is God creating everything out of nothing, creating man and woman in his image together to reflect his traits, to be imitators of God, reflecting by likeness. I mean, Scripture says in the image and likeness he was creating them to reflect who he is, what he's done, to reflect his good character in all of creation by being fruitful, multiplying, filling the earth, subduing it, having dominion, this is what God did. This is how we were created as humans: was to reflect the character of God, to be image bearers, like a mirror reflecting the character of God. We see in Genesis chapter three, things go a little south. Due to disobedience and rebellion, sin enters the world. Brokenness happens. Adam and Eve have a broken relationship with each other, a broken relationship with creation, broken relationship with God. This is what we know as the fall. So we were created to imitate God, but the fall makes our imitation broken. Right? So we're kind of like a mirror that's to reflect the image of God, but the fall makes us like a cracked, broken mirror. There's still image there, there's still uh, likeness there, but it's broken, it's flawed. And we see this is where we find ourselves as human beings because the fall makes our imitation of God broken and flawed. And so we we typically respond in one of two ways. And At one, maybe we just rebel altogether and just say anything goes. We just live a licentious life. Just say, you know what? There's no way I can can be as, as good as God wants me to be. I can't be holy. I can't be perfect. I can't rightly reflect the character of God. I'm a broken mirror, so forget it. I'll just, I'll just give up on it. And, and we see this is the rebellion that expresses itself throughout the Old Testament. God's people said, you know what? God made us to be like this. He told us to live like this, but we would rather live like this. God said, be holy, but we'd rather just not be holy. I mean, we can't be holy anyway. Let's just live like this. We'll chase other idols. We'll chase uh, our self-indulgence. We'll just do whatever we want. We see it throughout the Bible. We see it in our lives today. It's the grand theme of chasing idols. I mean, Scripture compares God's people to being a wayward bride, like a harlot. Right? That's not a term of endearment. And when we see in Ephesians chapter 5, where we are today, the Apostle Paul says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. And he even lays out for us what rebellion looks like. He says, Let sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthy, foolish talk, crude joking, these things are out of place. These things should not even be named among the saints, those who have been made holy, those who are beloved children of God, those who are to be imitators of God. He lays it out there for us and says, look, your sexual behavior, your attitude of I mean, covetousness, I can't even say it, covetousness is wanting something that's not yours and saying, I want that. I don't trust what God has given me. But, but he says, look, you to be thankful. Right? Rebellion, brokenness, expresses itself. We were created to imitate God, but due to the fall, due to sin and rebellion, our broken imitation expresses itself by licentious, rebellious living, not trusting God. A second way that this brokenness is expressed because of the fall, our imitation is broken not only through rebellion and licentiousness, but sometimes we say... (laughs) I want to I do better. I want to try harder. We, we sometimes say, you know what? I don't want to live as a covetous, sexual, immoral, foolish talking person. I want to impress God. All right? I, I want to clean myself up. I want to do better, try harder. I want to live by the rules and make up for lost time. This is what we see in the Old Testament as well. When legalism comes into the picture, when when God said, I have given you these laws to live by because you are my people and I love you and this is a gift to you. Some people rebel and say, don't want it. Other people say, okay, I'm going to do those things so that you'll like me. And all the while, God is saying, no, it's not about your rebellion. It's not about your legalistic do better, try harder. It is grace that I love you and you are accepted by me. And we see this in the Old Testament. We see this in the story of the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15, a great story is a, a young son comes to his father And this is Jesus telling a parable to to show how we are and, and, and what we are like and what the nature of the father is like. A prodigal son comes, the young son comes to the father, says, I want all of my inheritance now. And he leaves his father, says, I don't want a relationship with you. I just want what you can give me. And then he goes to a different land, squanders his wealth, parties down, blows all his money on who knows what, finds himself in a pigsty, and he says this, he says, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So we can see that sometimes we respond with rebellion, but other times we respond with, uh, we come into our senses and say, look, we are, we are in a mess. Maybe we can go to the father and say, Father, treat me as a hired servant. Don't call me your son, but but say, look, uh, work for me. Do better, try harder, and impress me. That's what the prodigal son says to his father. That's what the legalism of the Old Testament shows us. That is the way we are today when we try to clean ourselves up and do better, try harder, right? We are posers sometimes. But when Scripture tells us to be imitators of God... Right? Paul in, in Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of God as beloved children. He's not saying, go be licentious and a rebel and do whatever you want. Nor is he saying, clean yourself up. You should do better and try harder. You need to go to the Father and say, treat me not as a son, but as a hired hand. That's not what Scripture teaches us. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in chapter 5 and says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. Beloved. Loved by God. Accepted by God. Belonging to God. Because you are a beloved child of God, imitate Him. Are you with me? He doesn't say imitate God so that you'll be a child. No, no. He says you are a child. You are loved by God. Therefore, imitate him. Walk like Christ. You see, the issue that the Apostle Paul raises for us in Ephesians 5 is not just an issue of action, but the manifestation of character, the human heart, where people find their identity. Right? So, He's not just saying, stop being sexually immoral. He's saying the sexual immorality that is rising up within you is because you've forgotten who you are. He's saying, don't covet. No, he's saying the covetousness that is rising within your heart comes from a lack of thankfulness of who God is, what he's done for you, who he's changed you to be, what he's given you to to steward, how he's called you to live. When Paul says, don't let talk amongst you be filthy or foolish or crude, that's out of place. He's not saying, don't be sarcastic. He's saying the words that are coming out of your mouth is, is, is the fruit of your heart, like where your affections are, where your attention is, where your, where your motivation in life is. He's saying the actions that are manifesting are, are, are actually manifestations of the human heart, That's why he says in verse 5, when he talks about sexual, immoral, impure, covetousness, um, he says that's an idolater. That means in that moment, a person is failing to worship their creator, but they're worshiping some other thing or some other person. Right? So in the grand scheme, the grand story of redemption, we see we are created to imitate God but due to the fall sin and brokenness enters the world and we rebel against God and who we were called to be and we sometimes try to make up for it by doing better and trying harder but scripture gives us the promise of redemption right not only does Paul say in verse 5 and verse 1 as beloved children so I think in it, it, yeah As beloved children. I mean you gotta see that first. In the Greek New Testament wording order is different for than it is for you and I in English. And so we look at this and say, be imitators of God as beloved children. But if you read it in the original New Testament, it's really emphatic on the you are beloved children. Therefore, imitate God. Right? The emphasis is on being a beloved child. So the promise of redemption is throughout Scripture, leads us to Jesus. We cannot do better and try harder. We cannot make ourselves imitate God. We cannot imitate God in order to become beloved. We cannot imitate God in order to become children. It takes a radical work of God because we were created to imitate God. The fall and sin makes us rebel and and live subpar lives, but redemption restores our identity in Christ. Redemption secures our identity in Christ. Redemption changes our attitudes and our actions, changes our motivations. Look what scripture says here. I mean, as Paul has said, as beloved children, be imitators of God. Don't let sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness be amongst you. Don't let there be filthy, foolish talk, crude joking that's out of place. Your hearts are obviously worshiping idols, forgetting who you are, forgetting who God is, forgetting how he's called you to live. But look at verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, But now you are light in the Lord. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So I love this. I mean, Paul's saying, look, we were created to imitate. The fall messes that up, but in Christ we have redemption, we have a new identity. Therefore, as beloved children, we are to imitate God. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light. Therefore, walk as children of light. So how does that happen? How do we go from dark to light? How, how do we go from living, sexual, covetous, filthy-talking, idolatrous hearts into darkness? hearts of thanksgiving, walking as children of light. We have to go back to verse 2. Because if you're like me, we can read verse 1 very quickly and say, be imitators of God. Great, what must I do to be an imitator of God? No sex, no talk, no, you know, no. Let's read it this way. As beloved children, be imitators of God. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God these first two verses set the tone for the rest of the book and we have to read them carefully so we don't quickly say let's imitate God we have to say as beloved children well how are we beloved children Verse 2 is phrased in such a way that focuses all on Jesus, not on what you must do and what you must not do. The way verse 2 is constructed linguistically centers us on Christ. The way it's written is, as beloved children, be imitators of God. See, the command to imitate God and to walk in love That those are imperatives, those are commands that hinge on Christ. Like linguistically and theologically, but linguistically here it says, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. The word for as is not just like Jesus did that, but it's really as a result of. It's a huge difference. Because if we say, let's imitate God just like Christ, then we'll say, well, hey, I'm going to go feed 5,000 people today, just like Jesus. Hey, I'm going to go heal the sick, just like Jesus. We can find ourselves wanting to imitate God almost like a poser, right? Almost saying, I mean, it could be good motivation, saying, look, I just want to love people. I want to do the things Jesus did. But linguistically, I mean, Scripture says... As beloved children, being imitators of God hinges on a result of Christ loving us. It's a result of Christ giving himself up for us. It's a result of Christ being a fragrant offering. It's a result of Christ being a sacrifice to God. Are you following me? Because I do not want to minimize the gospel and to don't do this and do this. Because, man, I see it. I see guilt. Just people come in saying, well, I read this. I feel sexual and immoral and filthy talk. Man, that's me. I don't need to do those things. And the guilt just crushes you. And then I see other folks come in and say, well, you know what? I imitate the Lord. I serve, I do these things, I know these things, and they may be good things, but oh my goodness, pride is just rampant in this town. Religious pride. Because people read this and say, hmm, I'm going to imitate God. I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to do that. Aren't I just so righteous? Scripture says the only reason you are beloved by God is as a result of Christ loving you. It's as a result of Christ giving himself for you. It's as a result of Christ being a fragrant offering, Christ being a sacrifice to God. You are beloved by God because of Christ. You are a child of God because of Christ. You are to imitate God because of Christ. I can't stress it enough, lest we become a church that is guilt-ridden, just... Emo music playing, just sullen, or joyless, prideful do gooders. I don't want that. I don't think you do either. Do you? No. The beauty of this gospel is that as a result of Christ loving us, because of Christ loving us, because of Christ. Giving himself as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice as a result of Christ doing those things, we are beloved. We are children of God. We are to be imitators of God. Are you tracking with me? In Christ, we have a new identity. We were created to imitate God due to sin and rebellion, the fall, it just doesn't happen. We either rebel or we try to make up for it with a little subpar wannabe offerings. But the story of redemption, the beauty of the gospel, is that because of Christ loving you and giving himself for you and being a sacrifice for you, we are beloved children of God. This changes everything does it not this changes everything this identity changes everything seeing our lives through the identity of being beloved by God being being children of God this changes everything we no longer see uh, verses 3 through 14 as a list of do this and don't do that but rather that is contrary to nature right? I mean, if, if I am a child of God, if I, am, if I am loved by the Father, if I belong to this family of children of light, Scripture says, I'm not darkness anymore. Like, when, when you read this, you think, wow, sexual immoral covetousness, filthy talk, foolish talk, crude joking. Hey, that's darkness, man. We're, we're no longer darkness. We're light, right? It, our identity is no longer orphans in darkness but rather adopted beloved children in light and this changes everything see we imitate god because of who we are we imitate christ because of what he's done for us not the other way around we don't imitate god to impress them we don't imitate christ to do better try harder we imitate god we walk in love as christ because of christ doing that for us we reflect who he is and what he's done. That changes everything. changes everything. It changes not only the actions, because I don't want you to hear me saying, well, so we just sit back and say, well, we don't want to be prideful, so let's just not do anything, lest we be prideful. No, I'm saying go do stuff, but our hearts have been changed. The motivation is not to impress God or to impress people or to make up for our wicked, filthy past. But rather, it's an act of worship and thanksgiving reflecting Jesus, man. When you go serve, it's an act of worship. Because you're saying, look, Jesus did this for me, I'm going to do it for you. Not, I'm good. No, no, no. It's like, I'm a filthy freaking wreck. If you guys knew me 20 years ago, you'd be like, dude, that guy does not even need. Most of you don't know me, so we'll just. Right? I'm a moron. I'm a wicked, idolatrous fool. That Jesus saved. That Jesus floored me one day in a moment of utter loneliness, just floored me and said, you are a wreck, but you're mine. And I love you. You can't do anything to fix yourself, but I'm your father, so come here. It was 20 years ago that he grabbed me and never let me go. Praise God. And I'm sorry I said freaking in a sermon. Because sometimes you'll be like, well, it says no filthy talk, crude joking, that's out of place. You know, it may be. In all honesty, it may be. So, forgive me. Because I'm still broken. But God is using this broken man to bring glory to himself somehow. And he does so for you as well. So with some points of application, I want to sum it up this way. As we see that we were created to imitate God, but the Fall and brokenness and rebellion ruins that for us, but the beauty of the gospel is we've been redeemed not only with action to don't do this, do this, but rather identity, your beloved children. Because of that, we imitate God, right? The, the imperative command to imitate God and to walk in love as Christ, those, in verse two, those, those come out of the indicative work of Christ making us beloved children so as a point of application i want to say this because i want us to i mean this whole there's so much in these verses i mean you're you're probably sitting there thinking man we didn't even talk about shameful talk and we're going to get more to this next week too but i want us to focus on what this text focuses on where the the focal point of everything is verse two christ I don't want us to miss who Christ is and what he's done for us. So some points of application, I'll say this. First and foremost, it is the work of Christ loving us, giving himself up for us as a fragrant offering and as a sacrifice to God. It is because of Christ doing that that we have a new identity and we have a new way of living. The new identity is that we are beloved children. And I want that to sink in on your brains and on your hearts. Beloved, loved by God, accepted by God, approved of by God, cherished by God, valued by God. Because of Christ, God loves you. He values you. He cherishes you. You matter to Him. You're important to God. Because of Christ, you are beloved. And together, we are children. We are an awesome, Duggar-esque family <laughs> in Christ. And that's good news. But secondly, Scripture tells us, as beloved children, that identity there are two imperative action statements here. The identity as being as beloved children comes with it, be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ loved us and forgave us. So because Christ loved us and forgave us, as a result of Christ loving us and forgiving us, we have, um, we have this new identity, but we also are to imitate God and walk in love in love. And these are two commands that come out of the new identity as being beloved children. So, to imitate God it, it is something we do with our attitudes and motivations, right? Like, imitation is, uh, like I said earlier, imitation is not just what you do, it's like a manifestation of your traits. Like my little boy, who he can't, he can't help that his feet turn out, it's just, he's my son, so he imitates me by feet turning out all bow-legged and awesome, right? We, in Christ, are to imitate God with our attitudes and our motivations. And this will be expressed in the various roles that God has placed you in, in marriage, in family, where you work, where you go to school, the neighborhood in which you live, the church community in which you are a part. Your attitude and motivations in those areas are going to be that of imitating God, right? The action of walking in love. And this will express itself in different ways. And so my hope and prayer is as you step back and meditate on scripture and worship the Lord because of who he is and what he's done for you, and thankfulness, saying, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for making it so that I would be a beloved child of God. Thank you, Jesus, for securing that identity. Now, I want to imitate God because that's why you saved me. And may every area of my life reflect the love of God and humble service. Men, as husbands and fathers, may you lead your family with love and service, sacrificial giving to point them to Jesus. Women, when you are as a wife or as a mom or bending over backwards, maybe doing thankless tasks unnoticed by the family, you know, that you serve, know that the Lord is looking down and and saying, this is an act of worship, right? As you go to work tomorrow or you attend school this week or when you go back to your neighborhoods, know that your attitudes and actions reflect God. They imitate Christ, because you are a beloved child. This could change everything in your life. This could change everything in this city. Can you imagine what it would look like for us as we find our identity not in what job we have, not in what relationship we have, What if we collectively as a church, we don't find our identity in what location our church meets and we're meeting in a school? Rad. Soon we may not be meeting in a school. That's cool. What if we find our identity in who Christ is and what he's done for us? Don't matter where we meet, right? Imagine what would happen if we all go home to our families today reflecting the love of Christ by our attitudes, our actions, by how we talk with one another, by how we conduct ourselves relationally, with the service that we do being done not out of guilt, like, I feel so guilty, I got to serve this guy, or not in pride, like, well, I'm just so awesome, so I'm going to serve this guy, but rather just this humble, like, I'm a beloved child of God, I'm going to serve you. I think God could do amazing things in our midst, don't you? Let me pray. Uh, Father God in heaven, thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done for us. God, I thank you that because of the work of Christ, we are now beloved children, redeemed, restored, unbroken, for your glory and our joy, and that the good news of Jesus would advance. So God, I ask That in our midst today, you would humble us, uh, God, that we would repent of carrying guilty burdens that are not ours to carry, that we would lay them at the foot of the cross knowing that in Christ we are forgiven. God, I pray that we would not walk in pride because of what we've done or what we know or the family we come from, but Lord, that we would walk in humility and lay our pride at the foot of the cross thanking you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done for us. God, I pray that in our midst you would inject a great deal of joy in light of the gospel. God, that because of who Christ is and what he's done, we would celebrate and worship together, that we would celebrate in sacrificial love and service to one another, that we would um, celebrate being your children, beloved by God, belonging together, accepted, approved because of who Christ is and what he's done, not what we've done. God, I pray that this identity would wreck us to our core. And Jesus, as you've transformed our identities to be beloved children of light, God, that our attitudes and actions would reflect light, truth, love. God, that we would walk with confidence and joy, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to do what you've called us to do because you have made us become who you've called us to be, that you've restored who we were created to be. So God, I ask that you do miraculous things for the glory of your name and for our joy and that the name of Jesus would spread from this church to our neighborhoods, families, to the nations. In Christ's name, amen.